All right, well, welcome. In the interest of time, we will get started. It's amazing to see a full room and a lot of faces that uh, we already got a chance to, to meet and talk to down in the exhibit hall. So welcome. I'm, I hope you have a full belly, and please try to stay awake because it is post-lunch, so <laughs> we will do our best to, to keep you going here. So my name is Adrian. I'm sorry I'm tethered to two microphones. Um, and I'm doing this presentation with Jack, who is sitting over here. We split it into two. So I'm going to be doing the first portion, and then Jack will come up and do his portion after. So um, you are in the room for... APPs, which is MPs, PAs, um, on the mission field. So general lay of the land, practicing NPs in the room. How many do we have? Great. Wow. And what about practicing PAs? Great. <coughs> and students of either. Wow. <coughs> Amazing. Oh, so that's great. Looks, looks good. All right. So my name is Adrienne again. Um, just a little background about me. I'm dual certified acute care and family, and I do have my doctorate. Um, and I live in the state of Delaware, which nobody knows about, but I swear we exist. Um, I have been doing uh, cardiology for basically my entire NP career, even my, my nursing career. I did cardiology, so I'm a lead NP in the hospital. Um, I only do inpatient for now. And um, I do have... Um, a, a want and a desire to get into the community, so that's why I went back and got my FNP. But for now, I'm just sticking with, with the heart. <laughs> um, so just to put out there our disclosures for both Jack and I, kind of get those out of the way. We are both members and board of trustee members of CMDA. We are the, the big red tables downstairs in the exhibit hall. I'm sure you've seen us. <laughs> um, I sit as the chair of CCMP, which is the Coalition of Christian Nurse Practitioners. We are a subsection of CMDA, and Jack sits as the treasurer of FCPA, which is the Fellowship of Christian Physician Assistants. And we don't have a lot of money, so there's no financial disclosures. So don't worry about, don't worry about that part. So we're going to jump right in. And my portion of the talk really is about a background of just overall like global health and how we um, can see the world. And then we'll get into more about how um, advanced practice providers are used in missions. So I'm sure you guys have seen this data before. This is all from the WHO. Um, this is the most recent in 2020 that I could find um, with the top 10 causes of death globally. And I apologize, there's a lot of data, a lot of statistics on the next couple slides, so I'm going to keep referencing numbers because I'm very bad at remembering numbers. But um, we do need to know how people die, which sounds very strange, but we need to know how they die so that we can work on prevention. And we all work in healthcare. We all know that preventative medicine is key. Um, so the WHO gathers these statistics all the time, continuously, so that we can see the change around the world um, in separate countries about how people are dying and what we can do to improve health. So obviously number one, which I think has been number one for a while, is ischemic heart disease. 16% of total deaths are due to ischemic heart disease globally, which is a big chunk. Um, since 2000, it has had the largest increase in deaths. It is now up to 2 million people um, per year globally that die of heart disease. Um, and then the list continues with stroke, COPD, lower respiratory, which is things like pneumonia, um, which is actually lower respiratory is the world's deadliest communicable disease. Um, even though the deaths have come down, it is still the deadliest. Um, and then number five is neonatal conditions, which is uh, on both sides of this chart here you can see it's number one in low-income countries, but it does rate as number five globally. Um, 2.4 million children die in the first month of life as of 2020. 
um, which is a lot of children. Highest is in sub-Saharan Africa, and then after that comes Central and Southern Asia. And this is from things like preterm birth, uh, birth defects in the areas that have lower income, not getting the quality of care that they need at birth or during birth. Um, all leads to these statistics. And then we get down to the cancers, um, and then the largest decline is the diarrheal diseases, which is a great thing <laughs> that it's declining. I don't think any of us want to have to deal with that. Um, and of note, something that's not on the top ten anymore is HIV-AIDS. So that is uh, down 51% over the past 20 years. It is now number 19 on the list. I think if you've been around for probably... A little bit of time, HIV-AIDS used to be on that top ten list for a while, so it's a good thing that that has come down. And um, the other side of it is the lower income, like I said, countries, and you can see the difference between the how it kind of shifts between globally and low income, and then also what is on the list for low income that's not on globally, like malaria, road injuries, cirrhosis, things that we don't see all over but only in certain areas. So like I said, I have a lot of the boring statistical stuff, so please bear with me. <laughs> um, lots of uh, graphs here, but just some interesting data for you to think about when you're thinking of going global and, and how health affects not just our country, obviously, everywhere. Um, this is also from um, information from the WHO uh, regarding life expectancy and what they call HAIL, which is, um, definitions are up there, health-adjusted life expectancy. And that's the average number of years that you could expect to live if you were completely healthy. Okay? Um, and then some other just definitions I threw up on the screen just to make it a little bit easier for you. Life expectancy is obviously the average uh, length of life for a population, so for us probably humans. And then the lifespan is the maximum number of years that a species could live. Um, last I saw, I think lifespan was technically like 120 years, which is nothing that we've ever actually seen for humans, really, but <laughs> interesting. Um, so the HAIL data uh, combines mortality and morbidity of a region, and that estimates the expected years of life in good health that a person could um, live. And if you see that top, all the top lines are purple, if you can see that, that's the life expectancy. The bottom lines are in blue, and that's the HAIL. So you can see how they all trend along the same way together, but there's always a gap. So we're never fully closing that gap between life expectancy and how long you can live if you're healthy. So there's always been this gap, um, which the WHO and global health has been trying to close that gap, but we've never been able to, never been able to do it. And fun facts, which I love to throw in. <laughs> um, does anybody know the average life expectancy of a human in the United States? Ooh, you're close. She said 78. Anyone else want to take a stab at it? A little bit lower. So it's 76 years is the life expectancy in the United States. That's as of last year, 2021. Um, and that's actually down. It used to be 84 in 2016. So we're not living as long. Um, and then which state has the highest life expectancy? Think of somewhere sunny and nice and calming and relaxing. Who said it? Hawaii. Hawaii, yes. <laughs> 81 years is Hawaii. And how about the lowest, the state with the lowest? <laughs> nope, it's, it's a little closer than you think. Mississippi, yes. Mississippi was 
75.8 years, and right behind it is Kentucky, where we all are right now at 76 years. So um, just some fun statistics you can throw around the dinner table later or something if you want. <laughs> um, the bottom portion of the slide here breaks it down into income groups. So LIC is low income, um, LM is low middle, and then there's upper middle and then higher. And that, again, just shows you that even depending on how much you make or the country or how uh, rich the country is, there's always been this gap. We've never been able to close the gap. Another really fun, crazy slide here for you. Um, but this breaks down more by major non-communicable diseases, and this is by region. So the top of the slide is the change in ASR, which is an age standardized rate. It's kind of like a weighted average, um, or more like the mortality is caused by X. So if the bubbles are on the top, that means there's an increase in mortality. If the bubbles are below, that means that mortality rates have improved. Um, so you can see in the top there, there's cardiovascular disease, diabetes, cancer, and respiratory diseases. So most countries are doing great on all, except diabetes is still, still an issue. Um, below, down at the bottom, you can see what the colors, which countries for um, colors there. The bottom part is the change in death rates. So deaths are up everywhere. The only place that's really doing well um, is the Western Pacific. As you can see, they've had the highest rate of change for respiratory diseases, so an improvement. Um, and then also down at the bottom in deaths, they've had an improvement too. So they're, they're the only ones. Um, things that have helped with that is improved prevention, diagnosis, treatment. Um, all of these things go into decreasing mortality rates, and obviously that's where, where we come in as advanced practice providers. And of note... COVID is not factored in to all of this. This is like pre-COVID life, okay? What did we call it? B BC, before COVID is the, yeah. <laughs> so this is before COVID. Now, when this comes out again, this will probably look a lot different. So keep that in mind. Um, so with all this talk about global health, how are we as healthcare providers stacking up to all of this? And I thought this was so interesting. Um, one thing I will note, I'm not sure where they factor NPNPAs into this. I couldn't find anything in the data from the WHO about where they lump us in. I don't know if they put NPs in as nurses or if they put PAs in as doctors. But um, this shows by region the amount of healthcare providers they have. Um, and that's just from what they can actually gather data on. So there's obviously some regions that they can't collect data on, but this is what they could get. Um, and you can see there's barely any dentists or pharmacists out there. So, um, But nursing <laughs> obviously has a, a, a pretty high stake in the game. And then surprisingly, the medical doctors are kind of on the lower end as well. And of all regions there, you can see Africa is the one that suffers the most. Um, there's barely any dentists, pharmacists there. Um, so just to keep note of, of where, if you're thinking about going overseas, um, if you're looking for an area that's really in need, if you have friends that are in school for other, you know, programs, dentists, um, pharmacists of where they could be used most, um, you can see up there the, the, the smallest number percentage. Um, and, like I said, lowest is in Africa. Africa has 24% or almost a quarter of the world's disease burden, but only 3% of the world's healthcare workers. So Africa, again, one of the ones that's in most, most need. Um, again, this is pre-COVID pre um, because this will change because of COVID. The last I saw, we have lost over 115,000 healthcare workers have died because of COVID. 
Um, and about two-thirds of all countries have reported staffing shortages. And so don't feel alone out there. It's not just us here. Um, it's everywhere. So this will likely definitely change once this comes out again um, post, post-COVID. So you can see where the need is um, around the world for us here. And then um, just related to unreached people groups, again, if you're planning on going overseas and you want to pick an area or pray about going to an area that would have the highest impact, um, this is from the Joshua Project, which I'm sure most people are aware of, but um, just some interesting statistics from then. The red is unreached people groups, and then as the colors go up to the dark green, it gets to the most reached people group. Um, And a people group, which some of you may know, is the largest group where the gospel can spread as a church movement without encountering any barriers. So they're able to talk about the gospel, preach the gospel, uh, church plant without having any type of barrier or any limitation in the area that they live. Um, And that big red bar is Asia. So of all places, they have the most unreached people groups. Um, So, again, if you're looking for a truly faith-based trip that you want to try to reach as many people as possible, just some other areas where you can look um, statistic-wise to find find a place. Um, And Jack has a a quick little ditty for you. So, uh, we have uh, two uh, gift certificates to give out from CFDA, $25 gift certificates. The first one, you were at the plenary session this morning. So the, the man who spoke talked about unreached people groups, and he showed a slide of, since 2000. It was like 3,800, and then it went down to 1,450. And in 2022, how many unreached people groups was there? 83. 83. Got it. <laughs> she had her coffee this morning. She was awake during the plenary, right? <laughs> So again, where do, where do we come in on all, all of this and what do, what do we do about it? So now we'll kind of switch gears. That was all like the boring data stuff. Sorry, we had to, had to throw that out there. But um, where do, what do we do? What do we do when we go overseas as providers? How are we used? Um, everybody here has been on a trip or not been on a trip? Who has not been on a trip overseas of some sort for mission work? Great. Okay. Good. Well, that's good. So I think also, I mean, a lot of this is, is variable depending on, obviously, the organization that you travel with, um, where you go, what you're allowed to do and not allowed to do. Um, again, we are a little biased because we do, um, we are part of CMDA and we have GHO, which does our trips, so we, we go by what um, we have done for ours. But in general, um, it's typically for us, you're set up like a clinic, like if you were an outpatient provider and you were seeing patients in your office, that's basically what it's called is like an office clinic. Um, you could, these are just pictures from one of the trips that I went on. The top was how we had our, our clinics set up where it was just sheets and ropes and that was, that was all you got to get a little privacy. And that was my wonderful office space. Don't you love how it's designed? I decorated it myself. It was great. Um, but that, that's really might be all you get, um, if that. So it just depends on where you go and who you partner with in the country that you're going to, the area that you're at, in terms of what you'll, what you'll get. So you are utilized as a provider on these trips. Um, they'll set up for you to see patients. Um, you will do a lot of evaluating and listening, a lot of palpating and auscultating. 
Um, but you kind of get taken back to your, your roots of no x-rays, no EKGs, no crazy fancy lab work or anything. You really have to hone in on the basic skills that you're taught like from day one, um, which is exciting for a lot of people. And I think that's why a lot of us tend to like to go on these trips more like not just for the, the faith part, but also about really honing in on our skills and being able to utilize what we were taught. Um, besides the clinic space, you could do roadside visits, you can do house call visits. Um, we've done a bunch of those where you just kind of get whatever you can in your book bag and you go walking with a group and you end up in different houses or a side of the road um, where you can help people out. Lots of, um, lots of, hi. <laughs> uh, lots of opportunities depending on where you go. Um, so, again, obtaining history, physicals, chief complaints, a lot of documentation. Um, and then really it's more of whatever you have with you that you can utilize. So whatever equipment you can bring with you, um, it's usually the basics, stethoscope, thermometer, pulse ox, if you have a handheld ultrasound, maybe a point of care for some sugars or an H&H. &H. Um, but a lot of times you don't have a lot with you um, in order to help diagnose. But a lot of times people just want somebody to see them for their health. So they haven't had access to a provider in months, years. They want to just make sure they're okay. They want to make sure that their child is okay. So they really just need kind of a head-to-toe where you don't end up doing anything, um, but just a little bit of, you know, back-and-forth fellowship, passing on the word of God, and then they are really, really happy with that visit, and they go about their way. So if only it was that easy here, right? It's not that easy here. Um, and then I say prescribe medications because... You typically aren't, you're not writing a script and handing it to them and they're going to the pharmacy and filling a prescription. But um, I know when, when we do trips with GHO, we have our own pharmacy that is set up with medications that we bring. So that's like the prescribing part where you tell them like, okay, you need this cream and go to our pharmacy and, and, and pick that up which is like right around the corner. So um, treating wounds, documenting, and obviously encouraging, passing on God's love. That's the base of, of every visit, every, every interaction. That's what you want to get across. And then, like I said, the stuff that, that you have um, is really whatever you have yourself and can bring. I know myself, I, I even went on uh, and got a really like, generic um, otoscope, ophthalmoscope, it's not the best, but it's something, so bring that along with you if you have anything that you think would be beneficial that's not going to um, be cumbersome or be too much for you to carry with you. If you do have to do visits, like house visits, you can always bring that. And then depending on the area of, that you're going to would sometimes determine what medications are brought. So obviously some areas see different diseases than others, so there may be a need for stuff um, depending on where you go. So just a list of some common medications that are utilized on these trips. And then like I said, like thermometer, each and each testing, just whatever you can have on you physically um, in order to, to provide care. And that's my cue for Jack. He's going to pick up and continue the rest as I untether myself. Oh, no. The switch. Yeah. I guess I'll put that there. That's probably yeah. ooh, ooh. Maybe not. Maybe not. Yeah, maybe it works. Okay. We are, we're, we're medical. We're not technical. <laughs> Technology. All right. I know. For a second. Let's see if it'll work. I'm not sure it's going to work. Nah, I'm going to do this. I'm not going to take the chance. I'll take your, yeah.
Hopefully it'll yeah. show up. Stole my thunder. Okay. Uh, so, a little introduction. My name's Jack Pike. She's already said you, told you that. Um, I've been a PA since 1976, so pretty long time, 46 years. I did... Uh, Surgery for most of those years, uh, cardiac surgery for most of them. And then when I hit 65, I got tired of 27-hour workdays. And uh, I'm just doing occupational medicine per diem now, um, two to three days a week. But um, I've done medical mission trips for 20 years or so and been on qu- quite a few, uh, mainly with GHO, which we talk a lot about. And... Uh, but um, but glad to be here. And so this is uh, this is my wife uh, Linda, who's a licensed clinical social worker, and Emily, who is we refer to as our joy machine. And uh, she's our only granddaughter. And somebody said the other day that if we knew how much fun granddaughters is, we would grandchildren we would have them first. <laughs> but anyway, so um, but anyway, so the question is then why go? And I know that she's already asked the question. I guess the majority of you here have been on mission trips, it sounds like. And uh, some may be still looking, is this what God wants me to do? Or maybe could go to a new area. You heard a lot about this morning about unreached people groups and places where we could, we could be serving. But the question is the why go? And uh, for some people, sometimes they're going because <clears throat> their, um, their friends went. And so, you know, uh, they need to do that, maybe check it off on their list. Um, you know, it's kind of the motivation f- for why you go. And, uh, and like I said, for, for some people, it's just like, well, I want to check it out, or medical tourism, or those type of things that often brings people along. But the bottom line is that the reason we go, because it's not about you, it's not about me, it's about Jesus, and it's about his kingdom. And, and that's why we go. And uh, I love this picture. I think it's great. I saw that recently and thought that was really a, a great picture to, to do. Um, for me, um, and they, uh, our presenter yesterday at the plenary um, had this verse up there, and, it's, and it's, a, it's one that has motivated me very often, <clears throat> and that is Matthew 25. And um, for I was hungry, he gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. And then so on. And then the, the righteous will say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. I got through this pretty good. Usually very often. I don't get through that very often uh, without getting emotional about it. But um, Sam Malind, who used to be the... Uh, <clears throat> the director of GHO used to often talk about serving the least, the last, and the lost of the world. And that really is uh, what motivates us to uh, to leave our homes and leave our families and, and go away for a week or two or a month or whatever it may be, or maybe even for life or at least for a, a, a long-term thing to do it and take us to a lot of different places, whether it be... I don't think this is working. Anyway, left-hand corner is Moldova or Jordan 
or India uh, or Dominican Republic and a few other places I've been. And um, but so I want to talk a little bit about preparing to go. There may be a little bit of overlap from what um, from what Adrian talked about, but um, there are several aspects of doing it, and certainly praying uh, above all else. Pray about it. Is this what the Lord wants me to do? Uh, to go on this particular trip? To go, um, you know, this particular year? Um, uh, to and then have a prayer network. It's really important when you go um, that you arrange a, a body of people to pray for you, because I can tell you that spiritual warfare is a real thing. It's a real thing. Um, several years ago, I was in India, and I was down in the south in Pondicherry, and. Uh, I woke up one morning at 2 in the morning, and I, I actually thought I was going to die. I, I was so hyper-anxious, and I really thought I was going to die. My wife was with me, thankfully, and she prayed with me, and we, you know, we kind of paced the floor and everything else, and by 5 o'clock in the morning, it, it, um, it went away. And when we had our team meeting in the morning, I shared it with the team, and it turns out that my good friend is a PA who's my assistant team leader, the same thing happened to her at 2 in the morning. And we found out that the day before the clinic we were at, one of the Hindu priests had come and cursed the building. And uh, But spiritual warfare, it, it really is a, a real thing. So having that prayer network um, and, and praying about it uh, before you go is, is so important. Willingness to share the gospel. You don't have to be Billy Graham at all. Uh, but just being willing to you know, to share your story, uh, because really, you know, what we do here, you know, medical-wise, um, if you've been on a trip, you know very often that you go and and very often I'll have uh, even veteran people, but especially newer people say, I don't feel like I did anything today. I don't know what I did. I feel like I put a bandaid on what I did, and we always bring them back. What's our goal? It's the gospel. We're bringing health care. And health care opens doors tremendously. You know, uh, to be able to uh, sit with somebody and to pray with them. but And to, and to just, uh, even if you're giving them Tylenol or, or you're giving them something that is only going to put a Band-Aid on thing, you, you, you reached across that. And I can so often remember, especially in India, uh, so often we were, you know, uh, seeing people who were the untouchables, and they could just not believe that somebody would reach out and touch them, pray with them. You know, it spoke huge volumes. And um, so, uh, yeah, like I said, you don't have to be Billy Graham to do it. And um, and a commitment to the team. And what I say about that is because unless you come from the same church. You're going to be coming together with a diverse group of people. And, and very often uh, in that group, there could be a little bit of personal issues sometimes. And it, it's happened. There's been teams that I've known of, not that I've been on, where somebody was actually sent home because they were so disruptive to the team. And so you're coming together with a diverse group of people. And one of the things uh, we talk about often is um, there are three rules for mission troops. Rule one, flexibility. Rule two, flexibility. 
Rule of three. It's a good one. Sense of humor. <laughs> it's really important on that on that team because again, you're gonna people coming from different places and different backgrounds and coming together for a single purpose. So that's where prayer really comes into that uh, so so greatly. And then financially, uh, you know, the cost of the trip can be pretty steep for some fun people. And of course, if the Lord calls you to it, He's going to provide it. And um, the Lord's, for most of my years, the Lord has uh, uh, blessed me enough financially. I, I, I've been able to pay for it. But I'll tell you, fundraising and using with through your family, through your church, it is a good way for them, you want to put it in those terms, for them to partner with you in that work, to be partners in that. So, um, fundraising is a great thing to do through uh, through your church or um, not when you do Facebook, but uh, you know, but through your church. But uh, it's a, it's but it's something you need to think about. And I say mentally, and especially this is your first time, and it sounds like for most of you it's not your first time, which is good. But again, if this is your first time, or if you're kind of new at it, you know, speak with somebody, other people who have gone on to get some sense. Of, of what you're going to be coming into. And again, you're going into a different culture, different country, and, um, and it's good to learn about that culture when you're going because there are a lot of different things. Uh, I remember first go to India, I learned about certain things that you didn't do, like you didn't cross your legs and put your, you know, fest your, the bottom of your shoe toward people or just things like that, you know, just things about the culture that I, I remember learning about. And, um, and again, be open-minding when they talk about the rules and learn about the culture you're going into. Um, physically, immunizations. Big, big issue uh, to make sure that you're up to date on your, your typhoid. Some countries, malaria, uh, taking malaria prophylaxis. I've been going to Dominican Republic now. And we, most people are not doing it, not doing malaria prophylaxis. But when I used to go to India or Africa, we always did it, and that's really, really important to do that. So being up, uh, caught up on your immunizations is uh, really, really important to do. And be mindful of those health issues. Um, you may have heard this, but we always have somebody on a team that gets sick because they either ate something they shouldn't do or, or drank the water or brushed their teeth under the running water. And it really matters. You know, to use bottled water for all that stuff because, uh, but those things are really important and sometimes it's just so easy to forget about it and, and, and eat something you shouldn't have. Uh, so be mindful of those things when you go, those blood or those, uh, foodborne illnesses. Um, ability to stand, sometimes you're walking for distance, sometimes you're standing for a long time as you're seeing patients and, um, just, just that ability to be able to, excuse me, do that. And, of course, if there are any chronic illnesses that you have, not people you're seeing, but something you have, that's something that um, your sending organization, your team should know. Um, we have one guy who um, has come with us for multiple, multiple times, great guy. He's a pharmacist, but he's pretty brittle diabetic. And we have to really kind of keep an eye on him that if he doesn't show up for breakfast, you know, that there's something that we check on him. But uh, he's been able to manage it pretty well. But you've got something that's kind of uh, a problematic and a chronic illness. Be sure that your team, your team leader, know about that um, so that you're not 
you're not surprised, you know, when you get in country. And especially um, uh, psychological issues. A lot of people, you know, like I said, there's that sometimes have come out. You're in a situation where you're tired. You're, you know, you're together, and uh, it can, it can sometimes these things can um, can come out. And then some of the things she talked about clinically, having the equipment, you know, bringing your own stethoscope and your own otoscope and things like that. Um, glucose monitors, great. We were talking, I was talking to somebody the other day about trying to see if we could find some equipment where we could do like A1Cs or doing H&Hs. And we would do H&Hs when we were in Africa because of malaria. But uh, we didn't do it in other places. But at least glucose monitors to be able to do that, those are really great things to do. And usually they do that at triage and uh, so that we don't have to do it. Review any skills that may be beneficial, you know, things that you're able to do. Uh, to get caught up on. And in that picture, I'm, I'm doing a, a tennis elbow injection on somebody, but it's something I've done. It's not the first time I did it. And you don't do that the first time when you're on a mission trip. You're not there to practice. And that's really important because there are groups that have gone with that mindset of practice. Well, no, you don't practice on, on those people. You, know, you, you're giving them, you want to give them your best. And so review your skills and uh, working within your sphere of expertise. It really does matter, you know, because like I said, they're, you're not, uh, not there to practice. One of the things I do a shameless uh, for, uh, advertisement for is the CMDA has a book called The Handbook of Medicine. It's a wonderful book to take with you. It's got amazing amount of information on um, working overseas and infectious disease issues and so on. Um, I will say this, if you are a graduate and if you join CMDA at this conference, you'll get that for free, uh, a copy of it. So, um, But anyway, it's a great thing to take with you on a trip. And all of our providers that are sent, the new time, first time they go, they get sent that from G, uh, GHO. And it's really a great um, thing to have with you. So, what am I happen here? It's not going. Why am I not going forward here? Huh. It froze up on me. Let's try it. Let me, let me go back. Let me try it again. Uh, let's see here. Sorry about that, folks. Let's try this. Okay. All right, so you've went, and you're, and you're coming home. And, and it, it's different. For those of you who've been, it's different coming back into your culture after being. First time I went on a mission trip was with my church. We went to India many years ago. And when I come home, I didn't buy anything for months. Couldn't convince myself I needed anything. And of course, you fall back into the old pattern, but I mean, it, it's, it's, it's coming back into that culture. So having discussions with team members, talk about your experiences. And most teams will have one of your last team meetings will often be a debrief to be able to talk about that. But it's still important to, to you know, have discussions with your team members uh, about what you've experienced and, uh, uh, as you, before you come home. And then just decompress. You get home, get some rest, get some downtime because you're probably going to have jet lag if you're coming halfway across the world. And But preserve your thoughts. Now, I'm not a big journaler. Some people are really good at journaling. I 
terrible at it. But um, journaling is a really great thing to do, to, uh, to write down uh, what your experiences and your thoughts, especially while you're there. Not wait till you're home, but, you know, every day, you know, do that journaling and write that down. You go back and you can see sometimes how God's worked in your life, just phenomenal, you know, or in your time there, how much uh, that, that God has worked. And uh, the God sightings, which I'll talk about in a minute, uh, and th- consider that. Uh, reviewing your trip, what did you learn about yourself? What did you learn about God? Um, I, you know, you, you do a trip like that, you've got to come home and, and learn about yourself, you know. And, of course, um, uh, you come home and you, you realize uh, just how blessed we are, incredibly blessed we are in, in the country for so many reasons. We're blessed, you know, but uh, but just what you learned about yourself and your ability uh, to work in a team and to work in another culture and and to be all part of that. What what did you learn about yourself, but also what did you learn about God? You know, what what did God show you? There are so many instances of of how God works in our lives, uh, in and amongst uh, people. I just came back uh, last month from. Uh, Dominican Republic, and we were in prisons, and we were in women's prisons, and uh, probably couldn't relate half of it without crying, but I mean, it's just um, it, just the way that God worked in the lives of people, you know, and, um, and we, it was October, so it was um, Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and so they all were wearing, uh, which was great, the women in the prison, they were wearing the ribbons. And toward the end of the week, we passed out pink bags that had had toothbrushes and things like that. And, and, and four of us went into each cell and, and passed them out and gave them a Bible. Unbeknownst to me, there was a letter. The, 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 the church that we partnered with, Oasis, there was a letter that they had, someone of the church had written and put in there. Just a little letter about something that they included. I didn't know that. And I saw a lady the next day, and she told me about how she pulled that letter out and just how much it spoke to her. And the letter at the end was signed, and apparently I found out that the people who wrote it didn't sign in their names mostly, but it was signed Angelica. My patient's name was Angelica. You talk about it. I was like goosebumps, you know. And I had a few other people who they told me, you know, I saw them about how that letter, it was like it was written for them. Those are the God sightings. Those are the things that, you know, that you realize God is working in their mind. So So this is my second shameless advertisement. This book is at CMDA booth called God Sightings. It was written by Trish uh, Burgess, who's the GHO director and, Actually, I have a chapter in there uh, from when I was in Greece taking care of Syrian refugees. But it's a wonderful, wonderful book about many, many places around the world where GHO teams have been and the things that they uh, that happened to them that were God sightings, you know. And um, that's also free. Uh, one one of the two, if you if you join CMDA, is grant. So that's my shameless advertising for this thing. Um, and then connecting with others, connect with family, uh, because um, 
and you get home, it's going to be hard. It's going to be a little hard to put into words, you know, what you, uh, uh, what you experienced. And uh, there'll be people that will ask, how was your trip? They, don't really, they really don't want to know. They just want you to say, it was fine. And there'll be others who will be, you know, they really will be genuinely interested in learning a lot. And there are others who really want to know about it, maybe in your church or whatever, maybe one of your sponsors, partners. I always tell people, put together maybe a one-minute little thing about your trip for the people who just don't want to know that much. and Or maybe a five-minute thing for people who want a little bit more, or maybe even a little bit more. Put together something that, that you could tell and share with those people about what those experiences were uh, when, you were uh, when you were there. Um, so, and that's the last picture. This was in India. Uh, and then the uh, old man always really impressed me. This is from many, many years ago, just sitting there waiting. People would come and wait for days sometimes. They'd walk three miles. They'd walk three days, whatever. And they would just wait, you know. And the bottom one is um, in DR. That happens to be my son, who is doing the eyeglass clinic. And uh, he's not medical at all. He has his MBA, but he had a great time and uh, doing the uh, eyeglass clinic. You don't have to be, you don't have to be a, an expert uh, to do that at all. And then the other really great thing about the trips to um, the DR. In July is when we have a big team member. We do house, we do home home visits, and uh, it's really impactful to go into people's homes and just see the where they live. You know, you just can't believe people live in this way, but that's their home. And this was uh, one where we went to home, and as you could see, we gave them a wheelchair, and you thought we gave them a bag of gold, you know, to give a wheelchair for this for this young man. Actually, I've been in places where we gave people a, a set of glasses and you thought they got a, a bag of gold. You know, reading glasses. There's so many people that they don't have that availability. And all of a sudden, you give them a pair of readers. And they're just like, wow. You know, they're able to, to read their Bible or to whatever. It's just phenomenal to be able to, to share that. And as you may or may not know, we have a coffee in the exhibit hall. So please come by. Say hello and uh, get a, a caffeine. We'll caffeinate you uh, in the exhibit hall, and uh, appreciate appreciate your time. And um, we have one more. So one more giveaway. Yeah. I need the coffee apparently. Uh, <laughs> so way back at the first slide, what was the number one cause of death in the low income country? Oh, there's too many people that <laughs> <laughs> um, How about, we'll do something else. Yeah, they don't do this. You only get it once. <laughs> <laughs> so, who, who, uh, what about, who, there was a couple people that have not done a trip, right? There was a few. Are you guys in? You're practicing or practicing? Student. 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 There was somebody else. Student. 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 Student.
I'm trying to narrow it down by <laughs> but that's not going to work either. Um, how else? Uh, I heard a couple of people. Yeah. I heard a whole bunch of people. Okay. So who, who, uh, who is, let's see. We could do, all right. Yeah. Most people have gone on a trip. This is our, our second uh, right. question. Short term, long term, doesn't matter. Who has gone on more than five? Medical missions. Medical missions, more than five. More than ten? Stand up. If you're if you're at more than ten, stand up. <laughs> oh more than ten, stand up. groups out there, uh, Samaritans, others are using it. I can speak for GHO where it's like the door is wide open, the whopping, and we always have NPs and PAs and students on our trips and are treated equally as, as the docs as far as what you're seeing. Um, licensure, that can be done, even, even with the countries that GHO goes with, some of them don't even ask for our credentials, others do. So it really varies a lot. I can't speak to uh, the long term you know, full-time missionary, obviously that's probably going to want more of that if you're going in country for a while. But it really varies. It's hard. It's no hard and fast thing. Um, but more and more of them are wanting to make sure that the people coming in, that the, the credentials are presented by the organization to them beforehand. Yeah. Matt, you had your hand. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, one of the best things I've found as far as like, coming back home where you have these different levels of interest for people who give out one of the best things I have done is, is take, like, if there's a planned group, like the women's group that meets once a month, actually go to that group and let them open it up and put your slideshow together. You'll get an amazing amount of interest from people that just will sit and listen and they feel like they've become a bigger part of it. You'll have because they're, you know, often the ones, you know, for them, and, and as one of my mentors had said, you need, you know, I need a thousand people praying, a hundred people giving for the one person to go. And so, you know, a lot of people that they're connected to a trip, but you just actually putting together your slideshow, and you, as you said, you've got the ones that just want to hear, it was a great trip, that's all they want to hear. Right. And you've got the ones that, um, you know, whether they're 75 years old, and pray for you the whole time that you were gone. Right. Right. But you get a chance to sit and share that to them. Oh, big time. The pictures. And, uh, and it really helps. It helps them. It helps you get your local church body. And the next time that you go, they're even more interested. So um, if you can find a group that you can say, hey, I'd like to present if we could open it up to, you know, maybe not just the women's group or whatever else, but go to that scheduled time 
it helps you kind of build that fellowship uh, and, and getting more involved. Yeah, that's really true. It's really true. Just really quick, I will add because this was brought up as I was walking around. So, if you don't know, I just um, handed out GHO stands for Global Health Outreach. That is the missions, medical missions arm of CMDA. So they are underneath CMDA. That's who schedules all of the trips, helps plan all the trips, gets you to where you need to go, sends the teams. That's what GHO is um, that we keep referring to. I apologize because for us it's just normal, <laughs> normal talk, but <laughs> without realizing that we didn't really explain that in the beginning. So I did just hand out some really quick um, cards. There's not a ton of information on it. It does have the website at the bottom where you can find um, more information and the trip calendars. And I actually have our finalized 2023 trips for next year. If anybody's interested, we have those if you want to take those. There's also a couple other flyers for my shameless plug for CCMP, which is the nurse practitioner. <laughs> Any other questions? Or if anyone has, like, a really great story from a trip that you went on or some tips or something that you would like to share with those that maybe haven't done a lot of trips or haven't gone yet or anything you You've come in, in across that was like a barrier while you were away. Yes. And the she wants to remind you to do the evaluation. I think then that is up to what June, July. This is up to the beginning of June. Up to the beginning of June. Now, they. Up until COVID, we were doing about 50 trips a year, and of course it all shut down with COVID. We're now back up to 40, and that's going to ramp back up to where we were at. A lot of them are in this hemisphere, and it's easy because it's one week. People are either going to take, take a week off easier than two weeks, and uh, a lot in Nicaragua, DR, you know, all Peru, Ecuador, etc. So. Those are great trips to do uh, if you're interested in staying a little closer, and it's obviously a little cheaper from the standpoint of the trip fee and airfare. Uh, for GHO, you have two fees. One is a trip fee that covers everything. You don't have to bring a dime with you if you don't want. It covers everything in country, uh, hotels, whatever, and then your airfare. So. Oh, and now, Hyper Annie. Let's get out without like. It's unlikely. So just real quick, Jack mentioned um, CMDA. He's part of CM. Um, I am also at CMDA. My name is Abby, and I work in membership over there. How many of you guys in the room are CMDA members? Go raise your hand. Hey, CMDA fan, this is good. If you are not a CMDA member, part of the CMDA family, um, if you join today as a graduate member, you will get a free book. It could be the God Science book. It could be the Medical Handbook. There are a couple other ones to choose from. Um, additionally, as a member, you'll get a waived trip fee for your first GHO trip, and there are a lot of other benefits to that. You can also talk to Matthew. He knows stuff. It's great. Um, that said, if you're a student and you want to join, your membership is un underwritten as a complimentary membership. We also have a free book for you. It's not one of these. It's something different, but that's unpaid for for you. So go ahead and come by the CMDA table and say hi to us. And also, if you're a CMDA member, you can be part of Adrian or Jack's small groups for NPs or PAs. And so you'll get to like work with these rock stars all day, every day if you want. Just have them on speed dial. Right? You, you give yourself home, right? I, I, I live and die by my email, my text messages. And I don't care if you reach out to me at any point. Anybody in this room that has my, my email or anything, please. I'm always open to, to help you guys yeah. out. So, yeah. yeah, that's all I had. But yeah, what did you guys think of this?
Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. We really appreciate it. We hope that you guys have some time.